Hello everybody, welcome back to The Bleeding Truth. My name is Sally McNally, I'm the Irish midwife. And I'm Bridget Sally's daughter. Today we had the most interesting conversation with a professional in breastfeeding education. We talked about really great topics such as lactation problems, nipple piercing, um, latching issues, social norms, and all different types of issues that you might face if you are a first-time breastfeeder as a mom. So stay tuned because this is a podcast that you don't want to miss. And today we have a very special guest. I want to introduce my very good friend, Sheila Dietrich. She is a board certified lactation consultant uh, here in Ventura, California. We think of her as our guru of breastfeeding, all things breastfeeding. She is the hero, the heroine to many, many women here in town. And um, we just are so honored to have her come talk to us today. Welcome, well, Sheila. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, Bridget, for having me. Thank you. Um, I think this is going to be a really fun episode. I have a lot of questions, um, but I think to get it started off, um, Sheila, could you share a little bit about how you got into this career path and um, what is your bleeding truth when it comes to breastfeeding? Absolutely. Thank you. I really feel like I have to start with my own birth. My mom born on the farm, so to speak, as well as my dad, all born at home, all breastfed. She turns 18, she goes out to California on her own, meets my dad. Um, so she had none of the support that she had. Um, great deliveries, but breastfed my sister for a very short time, at which point she was told, uh, you can kill a baby, you know, with diarrhea. So I said, well, what did her stools look like? And my mom said, oh, they were really horrible. They were yellow and runny. And I said, well, mom, that's a normal breastfed stool. But when I came along and my brother who followed me, she was scared to death to even breastfeed. Oh, wow. And my heart goes out to her because as time went on and she saw her own daughter's mm -hmm. breastfeeding, she said, I really thought that I would harm you um, to breastfeed. So I really felt passionate about breastfeeding. Um, my sister was the first to have babies and I saw her breastfeeding. And of course I was already a nurse. I, I actually became an RN at the age of 20. And um, so I, I saw that there weren't even in the, the late seventies, early eighties, a lot of people who were, as I was working in, in labor and delivery and mother breastfeeding comparatively, but it was something I knew I wanted to do. And uh, so I had my own passion there and breastfed my own daughters. And then uh, their baby, um, I was the one people would always come and get and say, you're good at latching these babies. Can you, can you please come and put this baby on for me? I can't get the baby to latch. And I don't know why I was good at latching babies, but I just was. So flash forward a few years and Somebody came up to me and said, you know, they've got this scholarship where you can become certified in lactation and you should apply for it. It was uh, somebody at work. So I did not thinking I was ever going to get it. And I did. And that's when I became a CLC, which is a, a certified uh, lactation counselor. And that was a one week course. And uh, from that point on, um, I ended up getting the job where I currently work. And um, I then became very interested in becoming an IBCLC. An IBCLC is a board certified lactation consultant. 
And a lot of people wonder, well, what's the difference? So at CLC, you have about 40, 45 hours of education, and then you take an exam. Um, at IBCLC, you need 300 to 1,000 hours of, mm-hmm. of practice, and you also need um, 90 hours of training. And then you sit for boards. And for those of you who are RNs like Sally and I, um, it's like taking state boards. It's very, um, very scary. Uh, you go down and it's structured and, and monitored and you have to pass the exam. So a board certified lactation consultant is who people want to see when they're having actual difficulties, different problems, as compared to a lactation um, uh, counselor, which mm-hmm. can help with many of the, the um, kind of normal breastfeeding issues. Um, but we, we kind of have that step above in education experience and knowledge. We're like little investigators and uh, we're trying to figure out what the problem is and, and using evidence-based research and all of our knowledge about the body, the way the body works, both the mom and the baby, to put those two together mm-hmm. and make it happen. So uh, that's how I ended up with my passion. Um, I did work uh, labor and delivery um, for decades. And I, um, I remember always wanting to put the babies straight away, skin to skin. And back in the old days, of course, you would have even some of the providers mm-hmm. that, that were delivering the babies, they'd want to put the baby on the instrument table and do their exam, or we'd take the baby over to the warmer, right? And there was a short time that I thought, (laughs) how special is my job that I'm the first one that gets to see this baby? And then I realized how wrong that was because it really shouldn't be me. It should be the mother and the baby belongs on the mom. And um, so I was trying to pioneer that long before it became the norm uh, with with some pushback, of course. And I just want to jump in here to say that you look like a beautiful, gentle little woman, but I know you are a powerhouse and I know the amount of pushback that you've had to deal with throughout the years. And you've done an amazing job. Um, Sheila, tell us a little bit about the uh, baby friendly initiative that you brought to sure. the hospital. Well, um, baby friendly is, is, um, it's an international certification or designation, they call it, that facilities that are birthing babies can acquire. And it does not come easy. Um, it actually took us several years. And um, I, I'm honored that you said I brought it to the hospital when indeed I did not. Um, I, I was the chair of many committees for it, but there was definitely a, um, it took a lot of people to make this happen. I was, I was a part of it, uh, but not mm-hmm. certainly, yes. not certainly all of it or even, you know, yes. um, so, um, we, we have this wonderful, wonderful, uh, director of maternal child health, um, where I work at community Memorial in Ventura. Her name is Megan. And, um, she had this huge passion. Her passion was as, as strong as, as mine. And, uh, she was the one that, that, mm-hmm allowed all of this to happen. And so it took us, like I said, about three or so years to meet all of the requirements of baby friendly, and we did achieve it. And now we're actually um, on the, the cusp of our redesignation. 
which um, I've been working quite strongly at because we redesignate. We've been five years next year, and so we're going to redesignate then. Awesome. So uh, baby friendly requires uh, that you do have a policy in place uh, for how babies are fed in your facility. And that was one of the things that Baby Friendly came about. It was called the Inicenti Declaration, where all these great minds all over the world got together. And they said, what are we doing in birthing facilities that are not allowing moms to meet their breastfeeding goals and or their feeding mm-hmm. goals? Because not everybody has a plan to breastfeed. But what we realized is that they, people were being undermined. And part of that undermine is what I talked about. We were removing babies straight away. We're taking mm. them over to a nursery. We were separating them from the mother. Right. Um, so um, our our infant feeding policy, we worked long and hard at to get it exactly the way that it needed to be. And it was approved by the Baby Friendly Organization. And uh, the, uh, the step two of Baby Friendly is that all of the staff have to have education. Mm-hmm. about how to help parents meet their feeding goals. And that was a biggie. And Sally, I'm sure you remember that. Um, 15 hours yes. of didactic education yeah. and five yeah. hours of, of skills competencies. So, and the providers have to have um, at least three hours of education. And anybody mm-hmm. that comes across the patient has to have education. So. Even all of the staff at the hospital that are working in radiology or anywhere else, it's, it's built into their annual marathon about what is baby friendly and what can we do when people come in. It was a monumental. Yes. Clinics, we, we set up education there. So all the moms coming in are educated uh, before they even deliver. So and so on and yes, so on. So yeah. it's it's quite comprehensive. There's actually 10 steps. But uh, it was a big yes. undertaking and we did it. And it was a group effort yes. and there were so many people involved and I was so proud of everybody. Yes. So so wonderful. Yeah. And all of the babies that have benefited from that mm-hmm. and the women who now, as you say, they're educated a lot before they come in to have their baby. So they come in expecting to be breastfeeders Mm -hmm. instead of coming in thinking, I'm going to bottle feed. And then there's this like back and forth, like, well, you know, breastfeeding is good, but they've already been ingrained. So I I think that it's so wonderful, the work that, uh, where you work, the New Parent Resource Center. Can you just imagine what a great place, the New Parent Resource Center, all the resources are there. Um, And there's a huge focus on uh, breastfeeding there. Uh, I send a lot of my own patients to Sheila if they have, you know, a clogged duct or they have, you know, engorgement, sometimes mastitis. I'll treat them with antibiotics, but they need to go to Sheila for the education on how to prevent it happening again. And it's free. Uh, isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. It's free for anyone who delivers in the hospital uh, at community uh, yes. memorials. Also just education of like the misconceptions. Cause I think like how you started with your, your story as well. is so important because I think I, I'm my, my generation, there's still tons of misconceptions or lack of education of, you know, what, what different 
things that you're and, doing in your your lifestyle that might affect it or just the social norms and stuff that that people base their decisions off of when they they end up having a kid later in life um so just having you know your role is just super important for those and i i do have some questions about some different like misconceptions and things that we can get to later all righty what are some of the pushbacks that you faced um to to get the different different things in motion well I think in the beginning. Hey, friends, just before we go on any further with this very interesting podcast on breastfeeding, I just want to remind you that we have a link in the description down below uh, where you can ask us questions. Some of the great questions that are coming up in future episodes are things about C-sections, inductions, negative effects of birth control, and even breastfeeding. So if you guys have more questions, either about Sally or different topics about women's health and pregnancy and labor, please use that link down below and you can ask us to be answered in a future episode. Um, a lot of the providers, the babies, doctors thought, who is this person giving advice? Um, and once they got to know <laughs> who we were, what we did, now they're, now my patients will say, oh, Dr. So-and-so told me to come and see what you think. Um, but in the beginning, it was like, you know, why are they telling our patients anything at all? Um, and we've we've come all the way past that now. Right. Um, so that was certainly some, great, some great. pushback. Yeah. Um, but um, I wanted to mention on what Sally said, though, um, I'm not the only team member there. I have a wonderful staff and they're all IBCLCs and each and every one of them are fabulous absolutely fabulous and uh we we just uh we just did our reviews and we have a, a a little survey that we use for how well we're doing with clients and i don't know any other organization that has a hundred percent positivity rate <laughs> but we do and the, the list of comments were pages and pages long and not even one negative wow. And the reason wow. for that is when you enter the New Parent Resource oh. Center, you are treated with just love and compassion from the time you come in. And people feel that. And then second to that is that everything they learn there is not because uh, my auntie did this or grandma said to do this or a friend said to do this. We actually are educated in the things that really do work. So they know they're getting that good evidence-based mm -hmm. education and help along the way. Um, there has been a lot of research, and Sally, I'm sure you're very well aware of this, that um, a woman's ability to, to breastfeed starts with her feeling like, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And so we, we're very encouraging. And all of my yes. staff, they're just wonderful. So Yes. Yeah. And that's the, that's yeah. the portion of the New Parent Resource Center is the breastfeeding. Um, yeah. We do uh, about 1,600 private consultations a year. Ooh, and uh, there's a, we're with the patient at least an hour. So it's pretty encompassing. Mm -hmm. um, but as yeah. Sally knows, and Sally is my, my huge team member there, and talk about the poster child for everybody feeling <laughs> warm and welcome. <laughs> Sally is wonderful because you also, in our organization, um, Sally and I took hypnobirthing together, and she's the mm -hmm. hypnobirthing master mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and childbirth educator and um, 
then we have another class that I teach that I wrote the curriculum for called Our Babies Ourselves. It takes Aww, parents through yeah. those first um, eight weeks or so of, uh, it's an eight week course of what to expect for themselves and their babies. Great. And uh, we, we have other childbirth educators as well. They're absolutely fabulous too. Yeah. So it takes yeah. a village. We have right? mama emotional support. Yeah. Um, but those... We've got breastfeeding support group, oh, yes, which is virtual. Emotions. Those two are both virtual. So uh, we have a lot going on over there. Mm-hmm. It's a very popular place. Yeah. It's very popular. And it's it's very important, the work that we do, I think, Shayla, because um, those first few months when they're at home with their baby, um, that's the hard part, isn't it? Where they're exhausted, mm-hmm. they can't get to eat or have a shower, and the baby's like, I want to be fed again. And um, you teach uh, the tricks, uh, the positioning, the the patience, and, and it all comes together for them. And and I know I see the cards stuck all over the walls over there. Thank you, Sheila. You saved my life. You, you know, like what you taught me, it, it helped me so much. And I hear it from my own patients. They're always like, thank you for sending me over there. Because sometimes it might be just the way the baby's not latching or is latched wrong and and can you imagine you get to sit with your patient for an hour oh my god i would love that but to to watch and to help sort it out i i just think that's the best care when when you say that um we we have this wonderful um uh uh helper there at the new parent resource center Lori, who we all know and love and um she always jokes around. Yes, she's the first person Lori. they see. She's the person they make the appointments with. She's fabulous. And when when um, they they might come in in tears and, and crying and and they leave all smiley and, and mm-hmm. bubbly and feeling confident. And she always says, well, we turn that frown upside down. <laughs> oh. oh, I love that. And you send them off home with the feeling I can do this. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because that. that is that is the most mm-hmm. important thing. We cannot help whatever our physical lot is in life with what we've been given. You know, whether the baby has a tongue tie, mm-hmm. um, whether mom has insufficient glandular tissue, um, or other breastfeeding issues that's making an inadequate milk supply, we can investigate that, do everything that we can for it. But if we could give her that confidence as we're working through it, it makes all the difference, all the difference. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that is wonderful. Tell us some of the problems that you come across, Mm -hmm. like that, that women just, you know, are just regular little problems. Sure. I would say the biggest percentage of people we see is all about the latch. And we mm. love it when it's a simple fix. And sometimes it is, and their eyes get real big and they go, oh, it doesn't hurt. And when Bridget, you talked about, oh. you know, what are some of the misconceptions? Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. some women, they won't breastfeed because they heard your nipples fall off or it's, it hurts. What? It's supposed to hurt. Mm-hmm. And it, and, and oh, I wow. you, it's never supposed to hurt. There's not supposed to be mm-hmm. any nipple trauma at all. And if there is, you should come and yeah. see because something yeah. is going on with the latch. Um, so yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. But that is something that I hear from moms. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I want to breastfeed, but I don't know if I can, because I'm worried that my nipples, you know, are going to fall off or it's Mm going to be very painful. Um, so misconceptions. Wow. I've never heard of that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And and you know, what's really sad is some women will suffer through it because they think, well, this is just the way it's supposed to be. And, mm. and then somebody like Sally, your mom, says, why don't you go see them at the New Parent Resource Center? And, and for the first time, they've had a comfortable breastfeeding. And they're absolutely wow. shocked. Yeah. So let's talk wow. about okay. what could cause a yeah. painful breastfeeding or nipple trauma. Yeah. Um, it's either mom's positioning or it's baby's abilities. And that's like mm-hmm. I said, we're like, we're like, you know, the, the little uh, investigators. Um, because detective. We're, detectives, yeah. we're looking, we're looking at both. And many times, uh, you know, I'll see a mom and, and she'll come in and I'll say, can you show me how you've been latching? And she's wanting to take and put her hand on the baby's head and just bring the baby's head mm-hmm. straight down onto the breast. And when that happens... Um, I'll show you with my hand. So here's the top and bottom jaw. So here's her breast over here. So she's putting hand on head. So head's coming this way and it's just dragging and dragging and dragging. And she ends up with a very shallow latch because the baby Mm -hmm. is only on the nipple. So Mm -hmm. uh, when we are able to educate her to bring the chin in, and then allow the baby to come up and over. The baby is now pumping the pump and not dragging that nipple anymore. And even if her nipple was already traumatized, she says, well, my, my, uh, my nipple pain before with nursing was a nine or a 10, and now it's only a one or two. And it's only a one or two because it was already, wow. it's already kind of sore, but she's not increasing. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's simple wow. fixes on latching. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have babies who, for another reason, cannot bring that tongue forward. And it's the tongue mm-hmm. that's protecting the nipple because that nipple needs to go. Bring your, bring your tongue along the roof of your mouth and feel where it goes up and gets soft. That's where the nipple's supposed mm-hmm. to be. But sometimes babies have some restriction in their mouth and they're not, they're not able to accomplish that. So maybe they can't get the tongue out. Maybe it's tethered. They commonly called a tongue tie. Uh, medical term is ankyloglossia. Um, but maybe that baby's tongue just can't do that. So she's got the gums. The baby's gums are what's really irritating her. Um, and sometimes it's not a tongue tie at all, but baby is so tight up through the neck that that's not Mm. allowing that. And that's where we talk about a a neck tightness. And sometimes it's only one side. And and as you know, as you know, some babies have what's called torticollis, which means twisted neck in Latin. And well, that means is from their womb position, they're very tight to one side. And we look in their mouth, oh, wow. and sometimes even their gums are misaligning, uh, they're starting to make some changes. But sometimes that tongue cannot function when we get them out of the comfort zone 
And so we, we do a whole evaluation of that too, yeah. to figure out what is going wow. on here with your baby. All right. Um, so yeah. again, yeah. latch is yeah. the biggest reason because moms are coming in. I'd mm-hmm. say second mm-hmm. biggest reason is mom's worried she doesn't have adequate milk or indeed she does mm. not have adequate milk. And um, it's really fun when a mom's milk is just coming in and she comes in and she's worried, I don't have any milk. And we teach her how to do a little hand expression <laughs> and that milk comes out and she's so excited. And she looks over at her partner and goes, oh, did you see that? Because she came in with the mindset <laughs> that I don't have any milk. And so that's very, oh, wow. very, very Amazing. fun. And then when we show her how to get that yeah. mouth in the right position to actually move that milk mm-hmm. along, that's also very gratifying. Yeah. Uh, we use a, a, a scale Amazing. that weighs in grams rather than pounds and ounces. And so we can actually, a gram is close to a milliliter of fluid. So we can actually show her how much her baby is getting out of feeding and weigh the baby also wow. in just so anyways. Um, so, yeah, so milk supplies another. Now, sadly, there are some women who during breast development did not have the right hormone in place to make a milk factory. And we call that insufficient glandular tissue. And so that's something else that we, we're evaluating for. And, um, that is, but that wouldn't have anything to do with the size of the breast. Not at all, but more the shape. So the things that we're looking for is the width between the breasts, the areola, which is the, the dark part. How big is that compared to the overall breast size? And then we palpate, meaning that we go around and we examine to see, does she have glandular tissue all the way around. There are some women that there was um, a hormonal issue um, during puberty that they never developed glandular tissue to then be able to develop for full breastfeeding. There are other women that maybe have a, a smaller issue on this part because of a hormonal reason they had after puberty. And that's again, like mm. you said, we, we try to fish it out, Sally, um, because we're looking at their hormones. You know, is there a hormonal mm-hmm. reason here yeah. that we can fix that's affecting this? And I'll give you an example. Um, women who um, are on thyroid medication because they have hypothyroid. Many times during pregnancy, as you know, Sally, they will need to increase their thyroid medication for the pregnancy. And then after the baby's born, maybe they don't need that much anymore. Um, But if they're running too high, they're not getting their full milk supply. Uh, Another hormone, and that's why we'd say, go back and get your, your thyroid stimulating hormone checked. And I've had many a mom who came back said, oh yeah, it was too high. They dropped it. I, I have better milk supply now. Um, another oh, is, I'll be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And, and another is um, if there was some small placental fragment, now that can keep their, their, their pregnancy hormone, which is HCG elevated. 
and that interferes with oh. prolactin, which is their, their milk hormone. So, mm -hmm. um, and moms might come in and say, you know, I have this kind of all of a sudden, this gush of blood and what looked like some tissue or something. But if, if, if we don't have that yet, but we're suspecting that, um, getting that HCG level done is great to lead the provider, like you, Sally, in the right direction of, you know, maybe there's some placental fragments if that HCG is still elevated because that comes from the placenta. Oh, wow. So interesting. Yeah. So those are just a couple. I mean, there's, there's a whole list. I don't go into the whole medical yeah. portion, but those are, so low milk supply, we're trying to fish it out. Is it mom's anatomy? Mm -hmm. Is it her hormones? Um, or is it, is it the management of the breastfeeding so far? Um, I had one mom one time, very wealthy family. Um, they were from another country. And so they flew in uh, some family member that was going to be the baby nurse. And so mom um, just basically would sleep all night. And the baby nurse would just feed the baby formula. And she kept coming back in wondering why she had no milk, milk supply. Well, interestingly enough, in order to build a supply, you have to ask for it. And the hormones that make milk, prolactin, they're actually peaking from about 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning. And so here oh, this wow. mom's getting no stimulation. And, mm -hmm. um, and so she didn't, she didn't put in the order for the milk supply. And right. <laughs> um, we have receptor sites in our bodies waiting for hormones. So we want to fill them up with prolactin and it's by that very frequent feeding. And um, that's something else we love to tell parents when they say, oh, we had such a rough night. The baby ate constantly, you know, from like till about three in the morning. I say, you've got such a smart baby because mother nature gave them yeah. a phone call. And they said, do that. So you get this good milk supply. And when you normalize wow. that for them, then they don't think they're trying to just get baby back to sleep. They go, right. look at how smart he is. Right. Look at how smart. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. And that's part of our education for our parents to tell them that the goal shouldn't be to sleep all night. They're like, it's a good baby. The baby slept all night. No, your baby needs to feed every two to three hours, mm -hmm. eight or more in 24. Exactly. Yeah. We were doing the breastfeeding initiative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What about, so I have some patients, Sheila, and they have inverted nipples. Mm. And when I say, are you planning to breastfeed? They're like, I don't think I'll be able to. And I, I always say, your nipples are perfect. You, you don't worry about it. Uh, just wait and see. I love that answer, <laughs> so Sally. Do you know why? Oh, good. If, oh, good. If, if they saw somebody and they said, oh, breastfeeding is going to be difficult because you have inverted nipples, we've already lost them, right? Mm. Because there's So they might not even yeah. try, yeah. Or they're thinking, oh, yeah. it was a little hard. Okay, I guess it just won't work. Um, but when they're given right. That, right. that you're going to be just fine, that yes. sets the whole mindset different. And did you know that babies don't nurse the nipple? Yeah. Babies nurse the breast, <laughs> right? If you had an inverted nipple rather than a nipple that stands out. Well, remember the baby does this. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this is all the baby's ever known. And as they start sucking, 
they start to pull that nipple out. But if we start sticking artificial nipples in their mouth, mm -hmm. that's much more yeah. difficult to get a baby on an inverted or a flat nipple because the baby's doing right. this like, where is it? Where is it? Last time I got my belly full, I felt this hard object and I'm not feeling it. Right. Yeah. Right. So that makes sense. And Bridge, Bridget, do you like this? That's called nipple confusion. For the baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Little confused baby. You know what nipple confusion stems from is our babies are very smart. And they're like, I got a mm -hmm. belly full, mm -hmm. right? So I don't know if it's so much confusion. Oh, yeah. so that is the term, Sally, as you said, is that they have muscle memory, right? Right. So they're on an artificial nipple. All they have to do is suck up and down. When they're on oh. the breast, they have to massage it like this. Yeah. Oh, wow. Miss. So they're looking yeah. for a hard object and then they're trying to go up and down and they're not getting anywhere. So we want all of wow. their muscle memory to be with this motion. It's the reason we don't recommend pacifiers yes. until breastfeeding is mm -hmm. well established. We want to strengthen this wow. muscle memory. Yeah. And I remember that so well when I was breastfeeding my Bridget. <laughs> yes. um, she would she would like start the pump and then you can feel the streams of milk flowing through your breast towards the nipple. And then it's just like flowing. And it's such a wonderful feeling, isn't it, Sheila? It's it's the best. We do a eating set, mm -hmm. right? On that stimulation, yeah. you're actually right. lengthening the nipple. Did you know the nipple lengthens by about two mm -hmm. to two and a half times the length when they're breastfeeding? And it's that lengthening. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. And it's the lengthening that causes the hormone, the same hormone that causes labor contractions, mm -hmm. causes that milk ejection. And back to what you were saying, Sally, mm -hmm. um, wasn't it just wonderful breastfeeding your baby? Oh. I, I, I always say, you yeah. know, they, they say when you're, when I you're, when you're not in a, a place you want to be, go back to your favorite memory in the whole wide world. And it's always me sitting there yeah. with my babies in the middle of the night, everybody else is asleep me too. and I'm hearing them go, and they're just looking up at you. And Bridget's little hand. Yes, her little hand used to play with my mole here on my chin. Yeah. <laughs> and I love this mole. I have so many memories breastfeeding with the little finger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you know, when you're here, breastfeeding, I'm actually, you're I'm actually getting chills right now just with the memory of it. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I, I one time was having some dental work done, and I was like, I am going to my favorite place. And, and I was... In my mind, yeah. in the middle of the night, breastfeeding my babies, my dentist kept going, are you okay? Yeah. Are you okay? Are you okay? Because <laughs> I had meditated so much out of it and hypnobirth, you know, hypnotized myself. And I just wanted to tell her, would you just leave me alone? I'm in my, yeah. oh my I am gosh. feeding my baby. Doesn't matter, I'm in my 40s. I am feeding my baby. <laughs> my babies are already in their 20s. <laughs> 
Oh, I love that. And, and of course, when you're breastfeeding, you're secreting, you're secreting your oxytocin Absolutely. hormone, which is your love Absolutely. hormone. Absolutely. It's, it's a hormone that makes you contract in labor. It, it, what, it's secreted when you're having an orgasm. Mm-hmm. It's secreted when you're breastfeeding. Yeah. It's, so it's, could you imagine? Of course, it makes you feel so wonderful. Could you imagine, Sally? And that's the reason why we know that in labor, when moms become stressed, that their labor stalls, right? Mm. So the same thing mm. with breastfeeding. Yes. When they're tensed up, they're in pain, or they're thinking this isn't going to work, they're inhibiting their milk letdown. Yeah. And so, again, so much importance yeah. of us making them feel comfortable so that milk can just wow. flow. Yeah. Yes. Right? So, yes. yeah. I remember you telling me that once and um, then uh, a patient came in. Uh, I was working out in Santa Paula's Per Diem where you used to work too. Uh, she came in and she was very stressed. She, the baby wouldn't latch, the milk wouldn't come. So we just put her into a bed and did skin to skin again and got her all quiet and yeah. calm and everybody calmed down and I, I often think the baby copies the mood that mm. the mom is in. The baby's like, we're tense or we're angry or, you know, we're happy. Absolutely. We're we emotionally calm. regulate our babies. But the yeah. other beauty yeah. of doing skin to skin is it almost is a reset for baby. So let's say if baby and mom, they were having this difficulty and they were just like this and breastfeeding wasn't working and there are all these problems, you know. Um, that's what we do a lot is we just say, we're not going to ask anything of you or the baby, but let's get, get the baby down to just the diaper and, and on your chest and let's see what the baby wants to do. Because if the babies could start looking, they, they have this whole maneuver that they do. They use their feet, they use their hands, they use the sides of their face. They use their vision. And you know, as Sally knows, when a woman becomes pregnant, her areolas darken up, right? So that's mm-hmm. the, the babies, yeah. they're going by scent and feel. And if we could let them do that, rather than us saying, now we're going to put you on, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're going to put yeah. you on the breast. No, that's not what we want to do. We want baby to be a partner in working their way there. And then mom is more relaxed and she's got this warm, cuddly baby on her and everything just flows better than straight away. And we see it all the time, Shayla. Yeah, we see it all the time in the labor room. Baby's born, we place the baby on the skin and then the baby after maybe 30 minutes, they're looking around, bouncing Mm -hmm. their head. And then they see that darker areola and darker nipple and they'll crawl towards it we call that the breast crawl so nice and when they're doing that yeah but when they're doing that they're they're moving their little knees yes. and feet yeah. on on the mom's uterus yeah. helping it to contract yeah. so wonderful and then when when the baby does latch streams of oxytocin are produced and some of it gets down to that uterus and helps it to contract even more so she holds on to more red blood cells absolutely the placentocyte gets closed and when the baby starts suckling baby's getting that colostrum and for those of you that don't know um colostrum 
is different than what we call mature milk. A colostrum is filled mm. full of antibodies and it's that mm. it comes yeah. in small amounts, yeah. but the baby's tummy is very small and it's meant to coat that tummy and keep blood sugars where they need to be. And the more out, the more milk is made. So if we could get mm. off to that start, um, it just sets up the whole thing. And I wanted to say, Sally, do you remember when we were becoming baby friendly? Well, even before baby friendly, remember when we initiated the skin to skin starts at birth many, many years ago, right? Yes. And that was way yes. before baby friendly. And we had some moms back then, more then than now, that might come in and say, mm -hmm. I, I'm not planning to breastfeed. But we said, well, all of our babies go skin to skin because it helps to moderate their blood sugars, their temperatures, um, and it does get breastfeeding off to a better start, right? And baby doesn't become stressed because baby's in their habitat. So uh, we had yeah. so many moms that weren't planning to breastfeed that their babies wiggled on up and latched. And the moms were like, I wasn't gonna breastfeed, but now I think I am. Do you remember that? Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember. And our breastfeeding rates went way yes. up. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. that's yeah. where babies belong, really isn't wonderful. it? Straight away, I'm on, unless oh, there's a medical yeah. need. That's where they need yeah. to be. Do you, and, and now, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Do you advise you. at all about like nutrition as well? Because I, I would assume that what the mom's eating also directly affects like the quality of the breast milk. Do you advise on that as well? Up to a certain extent. Now our bodies are very interesting mm -hmm. because they're really good at making really good milk. And we know that mm -hmm. because, you know, you can look around the world at different times of famine where you have this mom that looked emaciated in this big chubby baby because baby was breastfeeding. Right. I mean, we, we know right. that. But eventually mom starts to suffer and to a certain point, maybe then it's hard for her to make milk. So moms need somewhere around 500 extra calories um, to be breastfeeding. And um, they're, sometimes depending on mom's size, she might need all, you know, up to a thousand extra calories. So there isn't mm. an exact amount, um, but we want her, I always say, eat like you were still pregnant because you're still nurturing. You're still nurturing this right, baby. Right. So make good food choices, not only for your baby, but for yourself. She She's going to lose weight, even if she's having those extra calories. Yeah. She comes into the office and she's like, ooh, back in her skinny jeans, like eight weeks later. Yeah. So every ounce yeah. of breast milk she's making, it's an average of about 20 calories. So babies wow. are eating yeah. 25 to 35 um, ounces a day. Mm -hmm. So take that 20 by 25 yeah. to 35, and that's how we come up with our numbers. That's a lot, yeah. But periodically, lot. we will have a, um, a mom who does look quite thin, and maybe her baby isn't growing as well, and we try to get her on a diet of good fats, you know, like the avocado. Mm -hmm. The avocado has that mm -hmm. really good fat in it, a coconut oil, you know, things like that, mm. that she's getting those good fat calories in. Healthy fats, And we've seen yeah. babies' weights move up um, sometimes with that. She's able to make more milk, maybe fattier milk. Now, Sheila, what about ladies who have breast implants? Mm. So I would say 90% of them are no issue. 
And mm -hmm. the reason is it has to do with where the incisions were made. And a lot of women these days, they have an implant with breastfeeding being so popular that they haven't disrupted milk ducting. Um, and it's because that's what it's all about. Um, if, if they've had an incision around the areola, which is the dark part, there could be this disruption of milk ducts. Now, when we talked about the women right. that have uh, the insufficient glandular tissue, maybe they had implants because they never had a lot of ducting. They didn't like the way mm. that, that their breast right. shape was, right? So then they had the implants right. put in. And if they didn't have a lot of ducting to begin with, and then we cut even more, then you can see how that could be problematic. So I would say to any woman who's wanting to have any type of breast surgery done, make sure who's ever doing it knows one day I would like to breastfeed. So they're making those decisions Ooh, yeah. on where they make the incisions that they're disrupting as little as possible. Right. Um, so I, yeah, right. I've had lots of moms who, who breastfed and made plenty of milk, um, but it depends on what did they have it done yeah. for first. And if it was, insufficient glandular tissue well they still have insufficient glandular tissue um or if they've yeah, cut around the, the milk guts yeah. now another interesting thing about cutting cutting around that areola is if you guys imagine a clock and you look at four o'clock and eight o'clock mm -hmm. that's where a nerve innervates Oh, and when that nipple oh, yes. gets pulled and that oxytocin release happens, well, if that nerve has been cut, that can interfere. Mm. So I always ask moms, do you have sensation uh, in your yeah. nipple? And sometimes mm. you might have more sensation yeah. in one than the other. And, you know, we can stimulate the other nipple, yeah. even though the baby is on the other side. I could have her stimulate that nipple because uh. oxytocin will still be released. So, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, very, very. But what about? Um, I was gonna say, what about nipple piercings? Because I I don't have them, but I know a lot of people my age that do have them, and I've I've heard both sides that they have horrible effects for breastfeeding, and some people say it has no effect; you'll be fine. Um, so I I think there's no one better to ask <laughs> than you. If, if so the only thing effect. that happens with nipple piercings, which is kind of funny is it just gives another hole mm -hmm. for the milk to come out of. Um, okay, well. Moms <laughs> will leak, leak out of the nipple piercing many times, but okay. no, it does not affect their supply in any way. <laughs> okay, that is good to hear. Yeah. You'll be doing that's an experiment. That's good, yeah, that's just, good. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about scar tissue, and I think that's that's what scared me, is that it might put scar tissue in the wrong spots and block the the duct and stuff yeah now good. again if we went back and we looked at a mom and maybe she had insufficient glandular tissue and then mm -hmm. if she did like end up doing some damage maybe that would affect her more than a mom that didn't have insufficient glandular tissue so mm -hmm. um, but i've had a lot of moms that had nipple piercings and um, they don't have the they don't have the uh the jewelry in when they come in but you can see right. see the hole and milk is coming out of it. That's so interesting. And some women, uh, they come to me and they say, oh, um, I didn't want to breastfeed because my mother had weak bones and I thought I would get weak bones. But of course, it's the opposite. When, you, when you're a breastfeeder, 
your body lays down more calcium in your bones. You are exactly right. So you end up with stronger Exactly bones. right. Yes. And that's one of those I misconceptions, think. isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's almost yeah, like uh, you actually do and bleach the calcium out while you're breastfeeding. You are really using it. And then it comes back stronger. So a mm -hmm. mom yes. who is breastfed has less chance of osteopenia and osteoporosis. And less chance of breast cancer as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. It reduces her risk of breast cancer. Yeah. 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 Now, Sheila, what about, what about ladies who either don't want to breastfeed or cannot, really cannot breastfeed? What, uh, how do you uh, talk to women when they want to bottle feed? So they really need to be supported. We talked about insufficient glandular tissue. Maybe a mom wanted right. to breastfeed. She's capable to make a certain amount of milk, but maybe not her baby's full milk supply. And I encourage her to meet her breastfeeding goals with that knowledge. Because there are some moms that, you know, to give any breast milk is a benefit. So maybe baby always needs to top off a formula or donor milk, but she's still giving up what she has. So that's a personal decision on what she'd like to do. And the most important thing is we're meeting her goals. It's never about mm -hmm. our goals. Um, you know, we're not there to say you must do. We're there to say, what would you like to right. do with this knowledge and how can we support you? So um, some moms will make the decision to go ahead and give what they have. And they have all kinds of little feeders that, a uh, little tube with a bottle around the neck that baby can be getting the extra, maybe if she doesn't have the full complement of milk. Um, now, there are mm -hmm. some moms that say, you know, it just isn't worth it to me, and I'm, I'm just not going to do it. And that mom needs to be supported because we need to meet her where she's at and lift her up. Um, and mm -hmm. I always tell moms yeah. the, mm -hmm. amount, right. and lift her up. the amount yes. of milk that you make is no indicator of who you are as a mother, right? It has nothing yes. to do with it. Or the amount of love you have for your right? baby. So it's just choice. Right. Yes. The, it, and, and what's an indicator is that you are keeping your baby fed. You're not allowing your baby mm -hmm. to not get enough nutrition. Yeah. So right. we really like yeah. to build, build moms up. Um, and there are some women who don't want to breastfeed, even if they have everything that it could take physically, they don't have mentally. And that's where we, we look at, we don't know, maybe mom had a situation in her life to where it's just very uncomfortable. And we're talking about some sort of abuse. And for her, that mm -hmm. is very real to her. Right. Some moms will share things with us. Not all moms do, um, but we need to give her what, what we, we do. Any other thing, Sally, in medicine is these to it. And then say, if I would have known their benefits, I would have breastfed. But if she knows all the benefits and she's just saying, I'm not interested, yeah. it's not fair to us mm -hmm. or to yeah. her, not to us, to her, to tell her how she's going to feed her baby. So we want to support moms in their feeding choices that yeah. give them all the mm -hmm. guidance that we can. Exactly. 
Great. Um, to make their being yes. choices possible. And um, we do like to teach them if they are planning to formula feed, um, how mm -hmm. to properly mix their formula and yes. store their formula. So their baby's being fed safe and how to deliver the formula to the baby in a safe way. So I, I, all of this is so beautiful. And I think your, your resources are so important. Um, for anybody who's listening to this podcast right now, Sheila, where can they find some of your resources or like go to the, the New Parent sure. Resource Center? So um, the hospital has this wonderful website called mycmhbaby.org. And as they click on there, they go down to where it says New Parent Resource Center. And it has all of our contact information. And as Sally was mentioning in the beginning, um, our moms that deliver there at Community Memorial have this, this wonderful benefit in that they can see us um, at, at, for their baby's first year of life um, and um, to meet their breastfeeding goals um, at no charge. Um, we currently um, only ask a $50 fee for, for moms who did not deliver um, at, at Community Memorial. So, wow. um, so it's, it's a very inexpensive comparatively. So wonderful. Um, and again, they're board, they're getting a board certified lactation consultant, um, for all of their knowledge yes. and, and care and expertise. So, and Sally's classes are on, are on, uh, my CMH baby also all of the classes we offer there. Yes. Are on there. We'll make sure to, to link thank to you. that also in the description below. But I'd like to just say, Sheila, thank you for your generosity in, in like as we're having this discussion, you keep on pulling people in and saying it's, it wasn't just me, it was her and it was her and it was all of us. And that's such a beautiful way to, to be because, of course, that is true. Um, but I really feel like you are our driving force behind our success at CMH with the breastfeeding um, and our rates are really, really high. And I feel quite the opposite. <laughs> I know because you're humble, but I can, I, I sometimes like to think of all of those thousands of little babies, you know, who, who benefited from all of your guidance. Guidance, you were my teacher, you know, and um, you still teach me. And uh, you always stay on top of the evidence. And I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And, and can I say, Sally, I remember when we first met and you were wanting to do prenatal yoga and we didn't have prenatal yoga. And um, you started doing prenatal yoga and everybody just loved mm -hmm. it. It was wonderful and everybody still just loves it and your spirit and um when we talk about the new parent resource center it's not only people from administration megan who administratively made this possible but everybody that works yeah. there everybody that works there yeah. is given it the stellar reputation that it has yes, you and you included <laughs> and bridget i'm sure you know your mom is quite popular <laughs> She is, <laughs> but we all, we all love, just be, we all I love, love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's because of, you know, so many different passions and just relentlessly doing it. 
you know, as much as you can. So that's why you're you're my role model too, mom. <laughs> oh, thanks, Bridgie. And, I have a feeling, Sheila, I have a feeling Bridgie's going to try breastfeeding. <laughs> not yet. Not no yet. reason to. But not yet. <laughs> And you know, you know, if, yes. if you have any issues <laughs> yeah. at all, I have friends and, and I do virtual consults with my, my high school friends, kids, you know, oh, they lived in another yeah. state. That, yeah, I'm in, I actually live in Texas now, so that's probably what I would need. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And yeah. We, we just, we just get, get on a, a, a media and I'm just showing you everything. Yes. <laughs> Um, so feel free to always reach and out to Thank me. you. And maybe um, if we have another opportunity, you could come back on the podcast because I feel like this conversation mm-hmm. could go on forever. Um, it's really important. Yeah. I think also that you, you emphasize you're not just there for the women who want to do breastfeeding better or have small problems, but for any any woman who has, you know, any type of, you know, question or concern or needing support for for their themselves and their baby so i think that's overall just amazing yeah i agree absolutely i second that (laughs) do you know we all we all have one start in life right Mm -hmm. and if if our parent could feel very confident and supported and uplifted and when things aren't going well, she has some resources mm-hmm. for her. It makes mm-hmm. all the difference, doesn't it? Yes, it really does. So. Yeah. All right. So thank you, Sheila, for joining us. And if you guys are listening, please make sure to give our podcast a like, yeah. a subscribe, and make sure to hit the notification bell so you don't hit, miss any of our future episodes. And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks a million. And Sally and I always time. do this to each other. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.